Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the relationship coach, speaker, and social worker, Jamie Bronstein. Hello, Jamie, and welcome to the show. Hello, Zach. Thanks so much for having me today. Today, we are going to be talking about manifesting love. And for those that don't know, Jamie Bronstein is a relationship therapist, coach, and host of Love Talk Live on LA Talk Radio. For the past 20 years, Jamie has guided people around the world as they navigate the peaks and troughs of dating and relationships. She was recently named the number one relationship coach transforming lives in 2020 by Yahoo Finance. Jamie shares her relationship advice on various media outlets such as KTLA, ABC and NBC News, BuzzFeed, and Bustle as she continues to fulfill her mission of creating a positive impact while changing lives around the world. How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm awesome, and I'm really excited. I know you have so much to talk about, and I have so many questions. And I wanted to begin just by talking a little bit about your past and how you got into the work that you do right now. So you are a licensed clinical social worker. You even have a certificate in spiritual psychology. I'm curious what put you on the path of focusing on love and relationships? It's such a great question. And I always say that I actually was born to do this work, like literally, Mm -hmm. because my name in French means I love. So it's, it's my namesake. It's like it was already like predestined before I got here. And just as a child, I can just always remember loving love. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. My parents have been married for almost 50 years. So I grew up seeing this beautiful, and not just married, but in love, a beautiful example of true love, let's say. And from the time I took my first psychology class in high school, I just fell in love with psychology, could not get enough of it. Then I got my undergraduate degree in psychology and then master's degree in social work, like you said, and then... It was years later I got my certificate in spiritual psychology. Now, specifically the love part, I noticed that when my clients would come in, I've been doing this for 20 years. And so towards the beginning, I started noticing that when clients would come in that talked about relationships or wanting a relationship or going through a breakup or divorce, I just lit up inside. So it just kind of confirmed that these are the clients I want to work with. Like this is, this is what I'm most drawn to. Even though it was kind of, like I said, my name is means I love in French. You know, I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I started really being in the field and working and working with all different types of clients. So that's how I got into the whole love thing. That's beautiful. So basically, you came into this world and the stars had a line for you to bring more love into it. And then when you worked with clients, it just brought up the love inside of you. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm reminded of this roomy quote that your task is not to seek for love, but to remove all the obstacles against it. And it's really beautiful to hear that you didn't have that many obstacles to discovering the love that you had in your heart. But as a result, you spend your life helping other people remove those obstacles. So I wanted to dive right into obstacles to love. 
Because one thing you write about on your blog is that we shouldn't settle for just an okay relationship and that we should do what makes our heart happy. But when I read that, I thought about the other end of the spectrum where somebody has too high of expectations, who goes through partner after partner searching for the perfect person that doesn't exist. So I'm curious about the balance between having neither too high nor too low expectations in relationships. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So the problem with having too high of an expectation is that you're not open enough. And when you're not open enough, the person that you're dating will pick up on that energy and they'll sense that this wall is up. And so I always recommend just having a short list of non-negotiables. And something easy for your listeners to remember would be, for example, the word C-E-R-T. It's actually not a word, but CERT. (laughs) But it's so you can be certain that your expectations won't be too high, let's say. So C is for comfort. E is for empathetic, R is for respect, and T is for trustworthy. And those are qualities that you want to look for in the person. Now, an example of another short list of non-negotiables, maybe not as deep as that, more surfacey, is just you want them to have the same religion, you want them to love animals because you do, um, you want them to be thoughtful and fun. And everything beyond that, you really ideally should not look at too closely. You know, the bottom line is if you feel happy in this person's presence, then that should be enough with your non-negotiables. I like to say go in with no expectations because then you won't get disappointed if it doesn't work out and you'll be surprised if it does work out. And then also what you were saying about the perfect person, there's no perfect person. There's just a person who is perfect for you. No perfect person, just a person that is perfect for you. And I want to ask you a little bit more about those non-negotiables you just mentioned, because, you know, I see a lot of dating coaches and they're like, if on the first date, the person is not nice to the waiter, like you should break up with them. And rather than list like specific things, you talk about what I see almost as value. So like comfort, empathy, respect, and trust. So beautiful to have as a foundation for a relationship. But like, how do we look for those things? How can we like tell, you know, because everyone on their first date is like on their best behavior. Yeah, so you won't necessarily know from a first date, although a lot of times you can. But really what's coming to me and what I work with my clients on is trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. So it's getting a feel. Like if we are just talking about specifically that first date, how do you feel in this person's presence? Do you feel happy? Do you feel comfortable? You know, the trust is also, do you trust yourself in this situation? Do you, meaning... Do you trust your own thoughts and feelings? Because if you're feeling good and you can trust that, then that's a good sign. So basically listen to our heart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, literally listening to your heart, trusting your Mm -hmm. intuition is the key to life, more specifically the key to love, 100%. So I love your just kind of very grounded approach. Basically, if you feel happy in this person's presence, that's a wonderful sign to continue with the relationship. And that kind of talks about the non-negotiables that we might want to enter into. And what are times when we don't want to settle? A lot of people might even feel like they're in an okay relationship and just kind of skirting and on the surface and not perhaps being able to go deeper with the person that they are in. How do we know if our relationship is just okay and maybe we should be searching for another one? If you feel like you are just kind of surviving and not thriving, you know, kind of getting through each day, but not really feeling alive in this relationship. And you feel like you're not really growing, at least individually and together, you need to be growing together. 
And if you're not intrigued by the person, you know, it's an indication that this might not be the best relationship for you. Mm. And the thing is, like, so many people stay in relationships that are just okay. And a lot of times it's ignorance is bliss. You know, they think this is love if they've never fallen in love before. And I'm actually working on a documentary to inspire people to know that, mm. that these authentic, romantic connections, deep connections truly do exist. I don't even, I don't like saying true love. So that's what I say instead of like authentic love really exists because some people don't know that it exists. So why don't you like using the words true love? I don't know. I think probably since I've studied spiritual psychology, just because I see that it's energy, it's not chemistry. There's there's Mm. such a thing as a soulful, deep connection that to me, I feel like funny saying true love anymore because true love seems fairy tale. And a word that was just contrived, I don't know, just um, cultivated from the movies and everything. And when I talk about the love that I help my clients get, you know, not just any love, but the right love, it's really that like outer worldly connection that's Mm. so different than just, it's true love. (laughs) I can't explain it. I I hope I articulated that well. I've never really been asked that question, but I like that question. No, it's true that we do have to discard the fairy tale Disney fantasy living happily ever after idea and just look at what you mentioned for that soulful, deep connection that just brings us joy and happiness in life. You kind of mentioned some early things to look for at the beginning of a relationship, and I love that acronym. I'm going to remember it. Comfort, empathy, respect, and trust. Yes. And would you also use those same parameters when we talk about what defines a successful and healthy relationship? So I actually have a list of some things, not necessarily in order or anything, just things I put together, a list of eight things, items that I feel like if you have this, then it's pretty much a successful relationship. So number one is, and I mentioned this before, you're growing and you're thriving. You're not just surviving. Number two, you're sharing new experiences together. Number three, deep emotional connection. I mentioned that. Number four, no judgment. And I can come back to that if you want me to explain more. Number five is vulnerability. You need to have vulnerability. Number six is you have fun and you laugh. Number seven is you have compassionate conflict resolution. You have great communication. You don't hold things in. You're comfortable using your voice. And number eight, you just feel like you're best friends and you're each other's person. No acronym for that one. Though, <gasps> oh, <right>? God. Yeah. <laughs> I have to play with that a little bit. <laughs> Maybe no, two I words. Love it. <laughs> I love those eight items. And you're right. We can go into each one. The one that's calling to me right now, I don't know if there's one you want to talk about. The one that's calling me right now is deep emotional connection as a sign of a healthy relationship. Because I know that's hard for a lot of people to cultivate. A lot of people aren't even in touch with their own emotions, let alone able to connect emotionally with others. Recently, one of our episodes was about attachment styles and how some people are avoidant and some people are anxious and many of these obstacles can get in the way. So I'm wondering, how do you recommend kind of cultivating a deep emotional connection in in our relationships? So to me, a deep emotional connection, it doesn't need to, I know if guys are listening to this, they're like, no, like, I don't want to talk about my emotions. (laughs) You know, I know guys get scared. So I just want to explain what I mean by it. It's a connection that you can't explain, let's say, Mm. that nothing can change it. You know, it's it's a when I say deep emotional connection, I also mean just a strong, deep bond that just exists. It's there. It can't be broken. And yes, it is important to be like a, one of the other things I said is be vulnerable. You know, when two people are able to truly be their authentic self and just show up as who they are, 
and they can unconditionally love themselves and each other, that's also how and when a deep connection can be formed. You can't have a deep connection if you are not unconditionally loving yourself first and foremost, and then the ability to unconditionally love the other person. It all seems so connected, right? We need that vulnerability too to cultivate that deep emotional connection. Yeah, you got to just be naked. You got to be raw. I had a client the other day and I'm just, I was like, just get naked. But I'm, you know, I mean, like in, in the in the sense of it's so freeing just to show up as who you are. You don't have to pretend to be anybody else. You can just be yourself. It takes so much energy to try to be anybody else. So I love those eight items for healthy relationship. No judgment, vulnerability, fun and laughter. And I'm wondering what's the flip side of that? What are some things you might look for to identify if our relationship is unhealthy? Yeah, so that would be a lack of communication. It's kind of like the, in a lot of ways, it's like the opposite of this. Like if you don't have good communication, if you don't feel comfortable being yourself, if you don't feel comfortable being seen and heard and just saying what you need to say, Mm. unhealthy relationship has a lot of judgment in it. And I mentioned judgment before. And I want to just talk about it for a second because people don't realize that when you judge, it prevents you from connecting with the other person. Mm. So if there's a lot of judgment, right, wrong, bad, and if there's name calling, you know, things like that, it's just not healthy. I mean, it seems obvious, but sometimes when you're in the relationship, it's so hard to see and people make excuses. Yeah. So anything that you feel like intuitively is toxic, it is. Threatening, manipulating, mm-hmm can't be yourself so listening to you describe what makes a healthy relationship makes me feel very inspired to bring these dynamics into my life i'm thinking about other listeners who are like yeah that's exactly what i want i want the growing and thriving and aliveness in my relationship and i have nobody in my life and maybe this person needs to start to think about what manifesting love looks like and That's our topic for today, and I hadn't mentioned before, but it is based on a forthcoming book of yours, so tell us a little bit about the book project that you're working on, and then let's talk about what it means to manifest love. So, yes, my book, it's a labor of love. (laughs) It's just my heart, my soul, everything's pouring into this project, and I literally, for the past three years, have not stopped working in general, like just surrounding my profession specifically, um, everything in preparation for this book. So literally, I'll just tell you the definition. Literally, it means a perceptible, outward, or visible expression. And so to me, that means, like we were talking about before, that you need to be totally authentic on the inside in order to manifest, bring in, through the law of attraction, your match, you know, the person that is energetically aligned with you. And it's very different than just bringing in somebody random. You know, this is intentional. I do have another list, if you'd like to hear it, about the steps to manifesting. (laughs) Let's get into that in just a bit. So let's really focus on what it means to manifest love. So you said, look up manifest in the dictionary. It means a perceptible, outward, or visible expression. And we're looking to manifest that thriving and happy love. And then you said we do that by turning inside and looking within. So tell us more about that. When you talk about this internal shift is actually going to manifest love in the external world. How is that even possible? Okay, well, it's interesting you brought up that Rumi quote before because studying spiritual psychology, 
my professors would bring up that quote all the time because essentially Mm. that's what spiritual psychology is. It's getting past the barriers that are preventing you from accessing your authentic self. And so it really is about getting past these old stories you might be telling yourself. Those are the barriers, you know, like any negative narratives. I'm not lovable and um, I'm not deserving of love. Anything like that. It can happen from your childhood or from a past relationship. So you get past any type of unresolved issue because that is what is preventing you from accessing your authentic self, which is your heart, let's say, your soul. You must do that in order to, like I said before, it's, it's the law of attraction. Manifestation is all about bringing in the one that is attracted to you, that you are attracted to them perfectly aligned energetically. This doesn't mean the relationship is going to be perfect. It just means that they are the right match for you. So you mentioned getting past unresolved issues and getting past old stories. And I'm kind of curious about what exactly that looks like, because I feel like a lot of people, they're very lonely and they feel hopeless. They may even feel broken, like nobody is ever going to love them. When simultaneously, sometimes loving relationships are a really beautiful way to grow with somebody else. So when we talk about getting past someone's unresolved issues, some of these might be conscious, some of these might be unconscious. And I feel like this is almost the first step to manifesting love. We haven't gotten into the steps yet. But when we talk about getting past our old stories, how do we rewrite those old stories to more positive ones and more ones that are going to bring the love that we want into our lives? Um, and actually, love yourself is the first step, so good for you. <laughs> so if we're talking specifically about a negative narrative, something that you're saying to yourself that you might not even be conscious of because you're just so used to saying it, like it's never going to happen, let's say. Is it really going to happen for me? Or you look at yourself and you're like, I'm too fat or whatever these things are, these excuses. The first step is just getting conscious of these, what your voice, this ego in your mind is saying to you, because the ego does not speak the truth. (laughs) Everything that the ego says is to protect you. So if the ego says, well, you're too fat for a relationship, then okay, it's an excuse. You can just say, well, I'm not going to put myself out there anyway, because it's not going to work. Or you can turn it around and say, I'm perfect the way that I am, and I'm ready for love. Or if it's I'm unworthy of love, like, I'm not deserving of love. You need to catch yourself and you just in the moment say, that's what is the truth? The truth is that I was born just like everybody else. It's my birthright to have love. And so I am deserving of love, period. Another thing is I work with my clients a lot on, you know, these unresolved issues and healing them. And one way to heal an unresolved issue is to look at what triggers you in your life. So for instance, let's say your trigger is you just can't trust somebody. And so that's holding you back. So if everything's a reflection, I would offer to you, can you look inside? Where are you not trusting yourself? You know, where are you not trusting yourself that you are manifesting relationship after relationship that you can't trust the other person? So then you work on healing that and doing truth statements. What is the truth? I can trust myself. And you learn to love yourself and trust yourself. And then also... I do forgiveness work with my clients, you know, forgiving yourself for everything you've said and done in your life and forgiving others. Everybody's, you and everybody else have always been doing the best that you all could do in the moment. So it's also about forgiveness. When you forgive, you are free. Mm -hmm. Freedom is, I love talking about freedom. Go on, you're going to say something. (laughs) 
I love that. I love sort of noticing the stories, which you mentioned kind of come from the mind, come from a place of ego, come from a place of sometimes I think of the ego as the great explainer. It likes to come up with excuses for why things are the way that they are. And then rooting deep into our truth and then truth statements. The truth statements are always the love statements, the compassion statements, the forgiveness statements. Mm-hmm. So step one is love yourself. So let's go into some more of those steps. What are some other steps to manifesting love? Okay, so number two, get clear on who you are and what you are looking for. So the universe gives us what we want, not necessarily what we need. I just wanted to add that in because you might say, well, I want this, and you think that that's going to be your manifestation, but it's really not a good way to go about it. So just get clear on who you are and then also get clear on what you're looking for, but also keeping in mind that the universe will give you what you need. Number three is Essentially, this, this is about visualizing. And specifically, there's a little activity that someone could do. It's called an ideal scene. And you get a piece of paper and you put a heart in the middle, a big heart. And in the middle of that, you write, I am. And then you make spokes all around the heart with sentences as if it's already happening. So I am enjoying this, this beautiful relationship where I feel seen and heard with the man of my dreams. The man of my dreams and I are enjoying a life full of adventure and travel, you know, anything, keep, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy. And you do that all around the heart. And I'm just going to warn your listeners that ideal scenes come true. So be very <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes. Be specific. At the same time, not overboard. You know, I just said the universe will give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. So, and it's also not, I mean, you could add in, I'd like to, I know I'd like to have a house in two different cities, whatever those cities are. But my point is don't be too materialistic about it. You know, don't be too on the surface because it's really about the most important thing is manifesting this person, like this soul that is right for you. But yes, you can't, if you're looking for a tall, dark and handsome man, feel free to put it in there and that would be amazing, you know, when that shows up. Um, okay, so number number four. Well, it's funny because you mentioned like be specific, but also don't be too materialistic. I'm imagining somebody, you know, a guy putting down, I am with Jennifer Aniston right. in our mansion in my three Lamborghinis in the driveway, right? Is that is that the type of thing we want to put down on our on our visualization? No. <laughs> but I, I'm hoping that somebody who is like getting the sense of my personality and what I teach people and how I help them, that I do have a sense of humor. So... I would not recommend that necessarily, but you could put in parentheses like someone like Jennifer Aniston, you know, (laughs) there's a statement in spirituality, which is um, for the highest good of all concern. So you could say like you'd like somebody like Jennifer Aniston for the highest good of all concern, meaning that the universe will bring you maybe some of her qualities, (laughs) but maybe not her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So after visualization, what's the next step? Okay, so number four is believe. You need to believe that it's going to happen if it's going to happen, period. You know, spend time, take that time to actually believe it's going to happen instead of the flip side of it's not going to happen. Why would it happen for me? Nothing ever works out for me. You know, like that negative narrative. Mm -hmm. Okay, number five, tap into your intuition, which we've spoken about. Number six, be neutral and have no attachment to the outcome. And... That's a hard one, but once you start grasping that concept, you can truly start to manifest. And what I mean more specifically, for example, is 
say you start dating somebody, you're dating them, your boyfriend or girlfriend, like for, you're dating them for a long time. And you get into this place where, where you get so, so into like, it has to be this. It has to work out. It has to work out. Mm -hmm. The universe gives us what we focus on. So if you're focused on the fear, it's not going to work out. It's probably not going to work out. Now, I understand we were just talking about manifesting. So I'll give you a better example for that. So you're dating, you are putting it out there to manifest the right one. If you feel like you go on one date with somebody and you're like, oh, this has to work out. Like any type of rigidity like that, mm-hmm. freaking outness, the universe just does not get. It's like it doesn't speak that language. So you just need to try to be neutral and have no attachment to the outcome and trust that the universe will give you what you need. And finally, I would say there's there's two more. It's trust, like I was just mentioning, kind of goes into that. And then also, um, finally, surrender. Mm. Surrender. You know, let go of control because control is an illusion anyway. So the, the seventh step is surrender. That's the final step. I would say that like seven is trust and eight would be surrender. And once again, I do not have a long word for that, but I'll play around with it. <laughs> <laughs> no acronym. There you go. I really love this list. I really think it creates a very firm resolve in the person who might be previously feeling hopeless and, and, and almost even a little bit lost. Even that second step, I really enjoy. Get clear on who you are and what you are looking for. A lot of people are just unhappy and they don't have any idea what they actually want. Like they don't know why, like the source of their unhappiness. And I'm curious where action comes into play. Because I'm imagining somebody like sitting on a couch and like going through these steps and then never leaving their house and wondering why their perfect partner isn't plopping down on their lap. Where does this firm resolve and coming from the heart go into interacting with other people? I do have a, a short little story. I was doing my show, Love Talk Live, and I had a guest on and we were talking about this exact thing, you know, how nobody actually shows up at your doorstep. You have to actually do something. And um, or I said that and she said... No, actually, my grandma and grandpa, that's how they met and got married. And I was like, okay, no, but literally, like, your grandpa didn't show up at her doorstep. And she goes, literally, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there's one there's one couple in this world throughout the history of time that it's happened for, but I don't recommend that. So just sitting at home, not doing anything. Yeah, so you need to you need to take action in life. So you do all this stuff, and then you get out there. I mean, in the world we're living in now, you get on the apps if you want to, let people know that you're single and looking to mingle, you know, so that you're on people's radars. Say yes to any and all opportunities to meet people, you know, networking events, anything. Because I always say you never want to look back and feel like you could have done something more. So I'm kind of curious because I love these processes that you're describing. And then you also have many clients that you walk through these processes. And I'm wondering what steps and almost ideas do people get most caught up on? Like what are some of the biggest things that you find are holding people back that prevents them from getting to the final step of surrendering and letting go of control? Well, one of the things that holds people back is that they keep doing the same thing over and over. You know, like Mm. the definition of psychosis is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That's what I've seen. A lot of people just kind of don't do that inner work and look at and own things, look at themselves. You know, they are the common denominator in all these relationships. So just own it. And, you know, to answer your question about like literally how to surrender and let go of control, I think it just takes practice. And knowing that 
it's not going to happen if you don't do that almost. If you remind yourself of that, I believe that that can be your inspiration to try it out. Like play around with this. Manifesting is an experiment, you know, have fun, play and get out of your own way. You know, so many times people are blaming everybody and everything for why it hasn't happened. So it's really important that you get out of your own way when you want to manifest love. I love the two steps you mentioned. One, being neutral and having no attachment to the outcome and also the surrender that takes place because I'm just imagining the almost calm, cool confidence like someone would exude when they're not attached to the outcome. When you are on those first few dates with somebody and there's no desperation. There's no, I I really need this to happen. I'm going to try really hard. It's just like, no, I'm going to be myself. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean anything wrong with me. It just means that me and this one person were not compatible. Yeah. Well, I love that you just said there's no desperation because people pick up on people's energies. And if you're on this date and you're constantly like that ego is just going off, oh my God, could this really work? I, I feel like I can see us walking down the aisle. You know, I, want, I can't wait to meet <laughs> his mom. Like, oh my God. You know, so if you're, if you have that energy of, does he like me? Does he, do I, do I look okay? You know, just constant, like that voice just never shuts up. Then your date is going to pick up on that desperation energy. But yes, and your voice is very calming. Like just the way that you were talking about this, um, I don't know, just an angelic person, like this vibing, like you're just so chill and you just (laughs) go into that day and you're so chill. Yes, everybody can cultivate that. Anybody can live like that and date like that and be like that. Mm. And the cool thing about having no attachment to the outcome is that it applies to everything in life. You know, like a job interview, a conversation you're going into, and even just a text message, you know, like, or an email, like, if you stress out about what should I write, and then you send it and you're, and you have expectations about the outcome. And, but wouldn't life be so much better if you can just, in all aspects, just set it free, surrender, I have no attachment to this outcome, whatever's for the highest good of all concerns going to happen, I just trust, believe and surrender. Amen. (laughs) Have you said that before? (laughs) Never. (laughs) It helps. Oh, my God. It's changed my life so much. So I really love that because the biggest thing we have control over is our own actions and our own mindset. And we aren't in control over the results of said actions. So all we can do is make sure we're living with intention and coming from that place of wholeness. And along with this being more directional in our purpose, I wanted to ask you more about kind of what it means to tap into our intuition and how we might even go about doing that. Because you do write about how important it is to strengthen our intuitive muscle and thinking of this idea that intuition is a muscle, that the more we exercise, the stronger it gets. So what exactly is this intuitive muscle and how do we go about strengthening it? So the cool thing about our intuition is that we're all born with it. So it's a matter of like we're talking about practicing and how do you strengthen that muscle? Like you just said, practice. You start being more conscious even from the littlest things, I feel like throughout everybody's day, even there's just, do I want this or do I want that? Do I want to watch this or that? Should I do this first or that later? Constantly, if you think about it, once you start getting conscious, we are constantly making decisions and 
the best outcomes always happen when we trust ourselves. So I just even recommend starting small like that, starting to get conscious of these little decisions. If you're out to lunch, should I have the chicken salad or the cheeseburger? You know, am I going vegan today or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's all about getting close to yourself, getting connected with yourself. And thus, when you get connected with yourself, you can get connected with the person you're supposed to be with. So I don't know, does that answer your question? Just practice. Literally, I mean, I have no other way to explain it than to start practicing, start getting conscious of Mm -hmm. your thoughts, yourself, your heart. What do I want? What makes me happy? You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to ask the waiter or waitress what to order because they're not going to know what's good for you. You don't have to ask your best friend, should I date this guy or not? You're going to know what's good for you. No, I do appreciate your answer, particularly just around many people think that, you know, either they are an intuitive person or that they're not, or they are an open-hearted person and they're not. But all of the things that we want and value in life, love, compassion, kindness, and especially intuition, they're all muscles. They're all things that we practice and we can learn to get better at over time, which is also kind of the impetus behind this podcast is just helping people to love more. And I love that you have a love show also like I do. (laughs) So I want to bring this a little bit into our current reality, which is like COVID and sheltering in place. Because I know there's a lot of lonely people in the world right now just wanting more love in their life. And I love this manifestation process and it can make somebody really resolved in what they want in life. But then they're still lonely, like they haven't gone out yet. And you have a whole post on your blog about ways to feel less lonely during these times. So I'm wondering what can we do to cultivate connection in our lives, even when it's quite difficult, depending on the circumstances? So I think that I'm going to break it down into if you're single or if you are in a couple, because you can feel lonely even if you're within a couple. So for single people that have been dating or not dating and they're just feeling lonely, I recommend to not stay in that place like you know wallow you can feel like a victim I don't recommend victim mode for a long time but then reach out to somebody who makes you laugh you know and if Mm. you can reach out to somebody who you can see in person safely because I feel like when you reach out to people and you spend time with people that know you the most it reminds you of who you are and they remind you of who you are and you remember who you are and who you are you know your authentic self is not a lonely person because nobody's authentic self is lonely. So it's about cultivating joy and happiness. Once again, I also like using the word joy so much more than happiness. (laughs) But anyhow, (laughs) feeling joyful and that it's almost like that's a time passerby. If you can cultivate joyfulness and connection with people in the interim, you know, until you meet your person, it's just a really good way to not feel lonely. And also the cool thing about joy is that the more joyful you are, the better able you will be to manifest your person. For couples that are feeling lonely during this time or anybody in a couple, I just really recommend if you are feeling lonely within your relationship to communicate. Use that beautiful mm. voice you have and tell the person how you're feeling. Don't say you, 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 you're doing this, so blah, blah, blah. You know, own it. I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this way. And then just the fun thing again and laughing. If you can... If this is somebody that you want to stay together with and feel like it's a it's going to be a, you know, a substantial relationship, try to have fun together, you know, laugh. And also, if you're single or if you're in a couple, I'm obviously a big fan of therapy because I'm a therapist. I highly recommend 
talking to a mental health professional. Just, I don't care if they're a coach, a therapist, psychotherapist, psychiatrist, anything. Just find somebody that you, you vibe with, you feel comfortable talking with, and comfortable being yourself with. And uh, it's just miraculous. It's so beautiful, the relief that can come from just getting out of your head and just talking and feeling supported by somebody. So I appreciate the distinction you just made around the approach is going to be different if you're single or if you're in a couple. And then I got thinking about these lonely couples. And so far, we've kind of been talking about manifesting love from the perspective that you're not in a relationship and you want to bring one into your life. But I imagine manifesting love is also a really important tool for people in relationships to perhaps manifest like a better love. So are there ways to bring more love into our current relationship? No, not at all. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And, you know, I just kind of slightly mentioned, you know, I don't know what whoever's listening to your situation is. If this is a relationship that you feel like if it was there and you were in love and there is that solid, solid, deep connection, solid foundation, then absolutely it in quotes can come back, let's say. And one of the things I just said was laughing together. It sounds so simple. I mean, it sounds so surface, but laughing together, having shared experiences, reminding yourselves of why you fell in love. You can literally sit down with Mm -hmm. each other and look at each other and give each other just positive affirmations. You know, this is what I love about you. And then you can talk about memories and just anything you can to lighten up the energy and also to change up the routine because people get in routine and then they get stuck in this place of comfort. Like, okay, well, we didn't have sex for a long time, so let's just continue not to do that. And there's work, there's kids, there's whatever the excuses are. But if it was there, it can come back. It's just about connecting and taking that time to do so. You know, you don't have to go, you don't have to put on your ball gown and your tuxedo and like go for a fancy dinner. Although I do recommend going on dates, whatever that means to you. (laughs) But yeah, finding that time to focus on each other. So I'm curious, I know you're married, you have a child. Did you manifest your husband? This story is actually in my book. I don't want to give too much away. But I will say that I do talk about a story where I was, I would say like not consciously dating. I also wasn't into my spiritual journey quite yet, but like kind of at the beginning. And I played around with this concept of I surrendered. I didn't even know what it meant. Mm. But I was driving in the car one day listening to a Taylor Swift song. And (laughs) it was like never, ever getting back together because I just had this bad date the night before with this guy who was kind of like in and out of my life. You know, one of those (laughs) situationship. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, that's it. I feel like I've done everything I can. I've tried. I've done this, that. I'm just surrendering. And then... A few months later, Brian showed up through Match.com. So I do recommend, I mean, it wasn't an app then. It was 2011. It was the website. I really think it was because I finally just chilled out. Hmm. You know, I'm like, and I did start to enjoy my life more. Like, I'm, I'm single. The more, and I was mentioning this before, like, the more that you can enjoy your life in the interim, the greater chance your person will come in. Yeah. And then so Brian and I had our first date was just hours of it was like this feeling of the conversation flowed and I could be myself. That was like the best 
most refreshing thing. I could just be myself. And he happens to be very good looking. I did manifest a tall, dark, and handsome man. I did want that. And I apparently I needed that because the universe gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's very modest. um, He's very smart. And those were qualities I was looking for. I mean, we can get into this another another show. But yes, I do feel like I did. I was like, did you manifest your husband? And you're like, yes, I was driving. I thought you were going to like hit him and oh, then like run and then was, run down and fall in love. But Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I was all over the place because I was saying in my book, I talk about the story that I was driving one day listening to Taylor yeah, Swift's yeah. song. I was driving to my grandparents' house for brunch and crying, makeup all over from he hadn't taken off from the night before with the situation ship man, you know, <laughs> that whole thing. Right. No, I appreciate that manifesting love isn't like magic. You were still on match.com. You were still looking, but you were just opened yourself up to be ready. Yeah. And I feel like that non-attachment surrender probably was one of the main reasons that you were able to build a connection early on. Yeah. And and the control thing, I feel like I was trying to control too much. And so finally, when I just Mm. got out of my own way and just started enjoying my life more in the moment, that's truly how it happens. So I do want to finish by asking you a question I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Okay, this is what I wish everyone knew about love. It is as follows. I wish that everyone knew that it's accessible to everyone. It's your birthright to have love. It's the most magical feeling in the world when it's an authentic, romantic, and deeply connected love. I wish people would know that love is fun. And it's one of the most transformational experiences in the world. And love is why we live. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Most transformational experience. It is. (sighs) It is. And it is. Did you write that down ahead of time? (laughs) I have an amazing memory. No, I love that you did tell me that question beforehand (laughs) because it really actually made me think because I don't think I've ever Mm. thought about that question and my intention with doing the work that I do is to inspire people to know things that maybe they didn't know and to open their eyes and to know that in quotes, true love, authentic love does exist. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day for hopping on the show. And for our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Yes, thank you. Um, Thank you so much for having me. They can find me at therelationshipexpert.com. That's my website, my blog. um, So my radio shows are on there. Lots of information and my contact information is on there if anybody wants to set up a session. I also am offering a free um, complimentary 30-minute initial session if anybody wants to take me up on that offer. My Instagram is at the relationship expert, but it's just the letter X, not EX. So it's the relationship letter X, P-E-R-T. Mm. And then, yeah, all my other socials are are on my website and attached to my Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. My radio show, Love Talk Live, is on LA Talk Radio. But once again, all that information you can find on my website. Thanks so much for sharing us your insight and wisdom. Thank you for listing us the eight items for healthy relationships, including growing and thriving and fun and laughter. And thank you for giving us the tips and the eight-step process to manifesting love. And thank you for reminding us that love is accessible to everyone. It's our birthright to have love. And it's the most magical feeling in the world. And that is the truth. Yes. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to ZachBeach.com and learn more about the show at TheHeartCenter.com. Thanks again, Jamie. Thank you, Zach. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 